Welcome to another edition of Ticket Splitters, the Grassroots Midwest podcast. This week, we are joined by another political entrepreneur, Jared Rodriguez, CEO of the Calder Group, a full-service government relations firm uh, that does issue advocacy, campaign consulting, grassroots mobilization, and organization management. We're really excited to have Jared on uh, to talk about entrepreneurship in the political space, partly because Jared and I have been friends for a number of years, and partly because our companies are about the same age. I think you beat us out by about three months, Jared. Well, thanks for having me. But yes, uh, we jumped into the fray together about the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of folks don't necessarily associate entrepreneurship with politics. They think about elected officials, people working in staff jobs, bureaucrats, um, and all those things are real and very important parts of the political process. But there are uh you might say deranged few of us, um, that decide that we're going to start businesses in the political space. And sometimes those are lobbyists. You know, sometimes those are other types of consultants, um, public policy consultants, et cetera. But uh, so we wanted to have you on to have a conversation about entrepreneurship and politics and uh, sort of what makes it all click. So my first question for you, uh, since we got into this at the same time, and uh, you know maybe your answers are similar to, to mine, wh- why did you make the leap? Most people who work in politics are just looking for a steady gig that pays reasonably well. It's got good benefits, um, and they want to they wanna ride out a career that way. So why jump into entrepreneurship in the political space with both feet? It's a great question because I fit right into what you're talking about. I was with an organization for 10 years, getting paid, um, didn't have to worry about much other than just putting my head down and doing my job and delivering for members. But it really became a situation of I have a set of talents that can be used in a variety of different ways. And it was a matter of timing for me. I was in my mid-30s. Um, it became, uh, am I going to work for someone else my entire life or am I going to work for myself? Now, obviously, we'll get into maybe some challenges and things that come as a result of making those decisions. But Absolutely. the reality is, is that it was the next logical step for me. Um, I knew that I could service many more individuals, probably get into a variety of different things to keep my attention. So I decided to make the leap. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, that makes a ton of sense to me. I was on a, a similar sort of trajectory. I'll admit uh, I was in my late 30s, uh, but uh, same same sort of time frame. And um, yeah, I think it's it, that that makes sense to me. I don't know that um, for a lot of people that work in politics, based on your experience, um, that maybe doesn't make sense for them. It's uh, there's a lot of risk involved in that. that. Good on you for doing it. I mean, it's um, Michigan doesn't have nearly enough entrepreneurship. I don't know that people always think about it being in the political space, but the more people that are starting businesses here, the better. I would agree. I mean, and, and there's plenty of room in the political space. That's for darn sure to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's uh, that it presents an interesting follow-up question. So when when myself and Dan McMaster started Grassroots Midwest, we were very deliberate about um, not getting into the lobbying space. You know, we do the grassroots activation, communication work, that sort of thing. Um, and, and you do some direct lobbying, correct? I do. Yeah. Okay. And, and in fact, I'm building upon 10 years of experience in, in lobbying as well as working in the legislature. So yeah. When I started my firm, it kind of made it made sense to get into lobbying a bit. That's something I know, enjoy. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that's um, I guess that's a difference between the two of us is that, um, you know, I had been a lobbyist for a number of years and uh, had a good experience with it. 
But um, I, I was ready to move on from the lobbying piece. So uh, good on you for sticking with it. It's uh, You wear a suit more often than I do. Let's put it that way. You're correct. <laughs> I'm just wondering under the new administration if we have to go back to wearing ties or not. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Hopefully the rules loosen up a little bit there. I, uh, I'm not a tie guy. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that even though you're in a jacket, you're not wearing one today. Um, so you brought this up earlier. Every entrepreneur faces some uh, some similar challenges in starting businesses. You know, the the sort of things that you read about in the literature on entrepreneurship. Um, politics introduces some additional issues and challenges. Um, what were some of the things that were the biggest hurdles for you to get over when you were just getting started? Good question. I mean, I think one of the, the largest hurdles is, is there a particular side or group that you align with to start that sure. you've been working in or with for your career before you decided to launch your own company? Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, I had been working... Um, on the Republican side of the aisle for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So the main challenge when I got out on my own was to then kind of engage with the Democrats, if you will, and build relationships where otherwise I didn't necessarily need to have them just due to the political landscape at the time. So that's been a challenge um, relating to all lawmakers from all walks of life in all parts of the state is another challenge. Um, But it, it involves um, quite a bit of meetings and discussions and yeah. different contacts. Um, local politics is another thing I didn't necessarily anticipate when I was getting into my own company and yeah. gig. I mean, yes, working with state lawmakers a lot, but local politics plays into their decision making. And certainly is you have to account for it, especially when you're going to talk and build your case before a lawmaker. That's a really good point. And I think it's something that doesn't get enough attention, not just in sort of political entrepreneurship, but in how politics works in general. Um, local government, county level government, township government really gets ignored. And it's incredibly important in terms of the direct impact on people's lives. But those local elected officials can also be extraordinarily influential when you're dealing with a congressperson or, you know, a state senator or even a governor. Um, Being able to to bubble those folks up from the grassroots is a really important skill. You're absolutely right. Well, and let's be honest, the local government when elected officials are truly a good farm team to move up into higher positions as well. So if you do have local elected official relationships, keep them up, keep going, because they're going to be useful to you and others down the road. That's absolutely right. Yeah, I think that's a uh, that's an important thing that people tend to lose sight of. Like I said, not just in the business of politics, but I think a lot of elected officials and sort of high-level staff people could be a lot more effective if they kept that sort of thing in mind. So... You know, you and I both have had the experience of working for politicians, for political organizations, and then working for ourselves on behalf of political uh, clients. So from your perspective, what's different about the average day working for yourself as opposed to working for somebody else in the business of politics? Well, first and foremost, you control your schedule. You control your workload. You control that work-life balance as well. But keep in mind, when you are working for yourself, I guess maybe one of those things that I found out a little bit later on, hours are not nine to five. No. um, And hours are also weekends. Um, So there are many times we're on the phone, as you know, at 10 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. or on a Saturday at 2 p.m. when a ball game might be on, for example, but you've got to do it. Um, That was kind of a, a wake up call for myself a little bit. Not that I feared long hours, but certainly it wasn't all the time and every week. Um, 
some of the challenges that we encounter every day is the chase. Um, you yeah. are chasing clients. You are chasing money. Uh, collections. You become a collections agent. Uh, you're dealing yeah. with non-payment and clients stiffing you, um, and they can go very high as well. So it's a, it's definitely a challenge, but um, there are a lot of benefits that go along with getting into politics and owning your own gig for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Well, and uh, you know that's I think that that is a real difference that people don't necessarily think of particularly on the entrepreneurial end of things. Um, you know, when you work in politics for a member of the legislature or Congress or at the local government letter level, or you work for a political party, the money's just there. Okay. Um, your paycheck shows up every two weeks, and it's not, unless you're a professional fundraiser for them, it's not your your responsibility to worry about where the money's coming from. A little different in our line of work. Um, you know, even working for, you know, some of the big institutional folks, I worked for GCSI, a very large multi-client lobby firm that had been in business when I came on for almost 25 years at the time, uh, more than 30 now. Um, they weren't going anywhere. The money was going to be there. Um, there had been a long line of very experienced lobbyists beforehand that made sure the firm was going to be fine. Your paycheck was going to show up every two weeks. That's not really how it works for guys like us. I mean, you know, we've both got stable, mature businesses, but um, the only way the money's going to be there is if you go get it. That's right. It, it, I mean, <laughs> part of it is who's your salesperson to? I mean, right. You know, oftentimes the person doing sales or landing the jobs isn't necessarily always the one that's carrying out the work. Mm -hmm. So there's an awful lot of oversight that goes into things, too, because you know you what you promise to folks. Yeah. And it's got to get done. I yeah. Mean, it just has to get done. So, you know, as far as differences from org and or, working for an organization, owning my own business, I would by far encourage anyone and everyone to own your own company. Yeah. Experience what that's like. Because yeah. you have far more respect for those organizations that you did work for and yeah. able to rely upon that consistent income rather than yourself. So it's good experience. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, if, you, if folks are in a position to do something like that, I think that's great. And that sort of leads me into one of the things I wanted to follow up with you about. Um, you know, you're, you're a family guy. I, I don't have any kids. Um, you've got a pretty big family. I'm just wondering about the... How that works as an entrepreneur, both in terms of getting started, um, but making sure the kids are still getting fed, um, but also the impact of the difference in working for yourself versus working for somebody else on um, family life and being able to raise a family. You know, working for somebody else, I have enough children for probably you too. So I've got four. <laughs> so if you need any others, you know, I can. We have all age They're groups. They're cute kids. They're all age groups. So uh, you can take the new driver at 16. Um, nevertheless. Uh, working for an organization, you know, you, typically you have set hours. Um, right. You can balance practice, you know, practice schedules, game schedules, in my case anyway, or birthdays or what have you. Pretty easy because you mm -hmm. know your schedule. Yeah. Uh, when, when you're out on your own with your own company, yes, you can balance, but there are other challenges that you face. Um, and more relevant now than any other time is snow days. Sure, um, yeah. So our children have been in school for less than 10 days since December 21. Yeah. So um, we don't have daycare. Um, right. And it's uh, my wife and I divide and conquer. Yeah. Uh, I'm on conference calls during 
um, at home when kids are running around playing on iPads and screaming. Yeah. I mean, there are other challenges too. But so there is that family work-life balance that becomes a little more difficult when you have your own company. I've been at games and had to step away and take a call. Um, So there's a lot of things that depend that you that a lot of people that depend on you that you have to deliver. So I would say that's probably a big difference in work family. But at the same time, uh, I can travel if I want. Right. The work still has to get done. Yeah. But I can do a lot of stuff from anywhere. Yeah. Um, And we like to travel during the winter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and um, for those folks out there who are considering entrepreneurship and politics or something else, um, it, it helps to have a, uh, a good partner and all that. And you're you're very fortunate in that regard and that your wife is both an angel and a gamer. <laughs> um, and I'm sure that that helps a little bit with uh, achieving that work-life balance as well. She takes a bull by the horns and does whatever it takes. I can't give her enough credit. Absolutely. No, you, uh, you really hit the jackpot there. Um, so, you know, I think that this is in some ways, kind of a stock question that people ask entrepreneurs. Um, But I'm really interested in this from the sort of political angle. And I I think a lot of our listeners would be as well. What do you think you would have done differently as a sort of political entrepreneur if you'd been been starting all over? Had I really thought things through and taken my time to do it, I would have started getting involved in as many organizations as I could early on, yeah. uh, volunteer as much as I can, mm-hmm. ultimately take every single networking opportunity you can, because it's all about contacts in this this business. It's all about who you know yeah. and who knows you. And first and foremost, your reputation is going to um, really determine whether you're successful or not. But I definitely would have gotten into more networking opportunities. I've Probably would have considered law school a little more heavily. Attorneys uh, are expensive. Attorneys are expensive. <laughs> and if I could do some of that for my clients versus have to hire an attorney, sure. I would much rather do that. Yeah, we work with some great attorneys at Grassroots Midwest, but, uh, you know, they're great attorneys and they, they cost money. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think the... I think that's a great point. Um, you know, one thing, you know, from my own perspective, just to follow up on something that you said earlier, is I really would have paid a little bit more attention to not just winning business from people, but how are we actually going to get paid? Um, and, you know, when you first start a business, um, you take basically any revenue that comes down the pike as long as it's not going to land you in an orange suit. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that really thinking through, okay, this person wants to work with us, but... When do I get the money? Um, that wasn't something that we always considered quite as closely as we should have. And I think you mentioned earlier, um, you know, it leads to some uh, some hanging invoices out there for a while. It's like, well, this person owes me this money and I need this money. Where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> no question. I mean, some of the other challenges are setting rates. Yeah. How, how do you know how much to bill somebody? How, I mean, all these things have to be figured out. So yeah. there are many different challenges. I mean, invoices hanging out there are definitely stressful ones for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's from my own perspective. You know, I think with issues like, you know, how we're going to get paid, like you mentioned, how do you price your services for different things? Um, we spent a lot of time on planning before we started the company. Um, you know, and I'm glad that we started when we did. It's worked out very well. But that's, um, you know, looking back, I don't think that you can do enough planning for entrepreneurship. The more things you can try and think about in terms of what might happen, what do we do if this happens, um, I think the better served you're going to be. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the um, it's it's a different sort of thing 
thinking about all of that stuff as opposed to, well, you know, it's just handled. Well, it's, that's a great point because I can tell you what, I guess maybe one of the things I would go back and change is perhaps write a business plan. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we did that. I didn't. Really? I, I jumped in both feet. That's and, remarkable. And started pricing myself how I want, how I thought I should be paid for services. And yeah. quite honestly, I did do some research in it before I sure. just decided to throw figures out. But, I mean, it was... <laughs> That's remarkable. I um, Writing the business plan was, um, it took a long time. You know, some of it turned out to be complete BS. Things didn't unfold <laughs> at all how we wrote them down in the business plan. Um, but I thought it was a good exercise. Um, so that's pretty remarkable. You were able to pull this off without sitting down and going through that exercise of writing a business plan. Uh, not necessarily recommended, but not good on all. you for making it work. Not at all. <laughs> Always write a business plan. See me for my, I didn't quite frankly have the time. It was, I sure. needed to jump and needed to jump now for a variety of reasons. Yeah. I did it and I've taken a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. But it's worked out. I definitely wouldn't recommend it to anyone. But at the same time, I've had to change model yeah. uh, several different times uh, mm-hmm. along the course of the last six years. So you have to. It's it's ended up working out for me anyway. Yeah, you've got to be able to react to the marketplace. That's right. So that's actually a great lead into um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, which is when we have folks in for these interviews. We like to ask them about sort of fun, amusing, interesting war stories from the world of politics. I think for particularly for people who don't work in and around politics, it's always interesting to hear stuff about that. So, um, you know, in, in your life as a political consultant or, uh, or maybe even before that, um, what's something uh, fun, amusing that you think our listeners uh, would want to know about? Oh, boy, do I have some stories. But, I mean, I think one particularly comes to mind, and it's more, I don't know if it's amusing. Uh, (laughs) In retrospect, maybe. I I laugh today. Um, But sometimes, uh, you know, it's not everything you think it's going to be, and sometimes it's too good to be true. Yeah. Um, I got involved in a uh, U.S. Senate campaign, Mm -hmm. um, had an independent expenditure uh, role anyway in, in a campaign, not necessarily directly tied to the campaign, but this these were out-of-state folks coming in, needed a consultant. I was on the short list and won the bid. Yeah. Uh, paid really, really well. Yeah. Um, so I was very excited right after kind of kicking my company off. Uh, six months in, I've got a major client. Very excited. Yeah. Well, um, nothing turned out to be the way it was going to be. I had to get an <laughs> office space in southeast Michigan we had all kinds of things set up and computers and really a war room. Uh, unbeknownst to me, the organizers in this effort um, had been previously indicted in several federal cases. Oh, high, boy. high profile uh, in the Abramoff scandal. Oh, boy. Um, and I found out midway, like after a month of taking this contract, mm-hmm. um, and they really ended up duping a donor out of state and funding all these efforts in different states, but they didn't do anything with them. Oh, wow. So um, the end of that campaign ended up in people going suing other people. I and other consultants were not involved. We were held innocent in this, this whole game, which was nice. But I, it was a train wreck from the beginning all the way through for six months. Yeah. But... In the end, uh, it ended up being okay for me and in our firm, but uh, it's just one of those things that you cannot believe sometimes what you uncover in this political world. 
Yeah, it's um, that's pretty remarkable. It's um, it's never good when a project that you're working on for a client ends up tied to something that's in the national news. Um, you know, whether you're directly connected to it or not, that's not the sort of thing that you want appearing in your Google searches. It's, uh, so at, at least you got paid. That is, I the, learned a uh, lesson. Learned yeah. a valuable lesson. Learned a valuable lesson. Something to laugh about in retrospect. And at least until the campaign came to a close, you got paid, which is also <laughs> as a consultant very, very important. Well, that's it for this uh, week's edition of Ticket Splitters. I want to thank my guest, Jared Rodriguez, again for coming on the show. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, chatting again soon, man. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.